Welcome to the Brisbane Property Podcast with your hosts, Melinda and Scott Jennison from Streamline Property Buyers, your local Brisbane property specialists. Hi everyone and welcome back to another episode of the Brisbane Property Podcast. Um, today we're just going to have a bit of a chat. We know that Brisbane's growing a lot. Um, we've got lots of things happening in Brisbane with infrastructure and Olympics and, and in general, um, Brisbane is actually growing. So we're just going to have a chat about things, um, buying existing homes and also about buying um, new homes. Yes, welcome back everybody. Um, I think this episode is going to provide some insights for those people that are considering building a new home or buying an investment property off the plan or buying a brand new investment property. So it does have appeal to a wide segment of the market. And the reason that we've decided to put this episode together is because a lot of people that contact us, especially investors, are quite often um, confused and unsure about whether um, it is best to buy an investment property that is brand new or whether it is better to buy an established investment property. And of course, it depends on an investor's circumstances, but um, and it also depends on whether an investor might be chasing capital growth or yield. So we're going to unpack the pros and cons of um, buying new and, and what you need to be aware of when you are considering um, buying or building a new property. And hopefully that gives you some insights into you know what you need to consider if you're going down that pathway yourself. So a little bit of a background here, um, and obviously the introduction that I didn't actually throw in at the beginning, but um, my name is Scott Jennison. I work with Streamline Property Buyers, and I'm the Acquisitions Manager. Now, I come from a construction background, so a little bit of a history there. Um, Melinda and I were involved in construction um, for our own business and also developments. So we have a little bit of experience on this side of it, and that's why we thought we'd um, jump in and talk about it a bit more today. Yeah, look, I think um, you know one of the most important things to be aware of is that the government um, definitely incentivizes buyers to to purchase brand new properties. And we've seen this over many, many years um, in the past where there have been more incentives provided to people that buy brand new property. Um, So it is something to be aware of because quite often this lures you into um, the false uh, realization or, or expectation that new is better. Um, and actually, in actual fact, the reason the government actually um, incentivizes buying new is because the government makes a lot of money through taxes um, in the process of development. Um, and if we were just to unpack some of those things, uh, local governments would make uh, revenue through infrastructure charges. We've got state governments making revenue through stamp duties. We've got federal governments making revenue through the GST that is um, payable on construction materials, on pay-as-you-go tax um, as a result of employees uh, who are engaged or who are, um, you know, employed within the construction industry to build these new products. And, of course, GST on the end product uh, for developers that are selling for a profit. So there's a lot of taxes that are hidden into the cost of a new property when you do purchase that property. And the government is actually making money out of this process. So, of course, the government likes to incentivize buyers to buy a product that um, they're going to make more money or revenue themselves um, as a result of that, that sale process. And, and then I suppose from that side of things, we talk, you talked about the government side of it and the, and the extra charges and everything that's built into it. So a developer will go in, um, they'll they'll have a, a plot of land. You know, usually you see these on the outskirts of town um, where there's a lot of green space and they'll come in and they'll buy land and they will start to 
churn the dirt around, they'll put pipes in, they'll put all the services in, the new roads, all the infrastructure to create these new blocks of land. And they'll, you know, you'll see stage one is open, stage two comes down the track, stage three and so on. Um, something that people need to be really aware of is that um, the costs that are involved, and it's not just from the government and the tax side of things, but everyone needs to make a living. So there's, there's nothing wrong with that. Um, the developers do it for a living, the builders do it for a living, the subcontractors do it for a living, you've got your architects and so on. So we'll run through a few um, areas to just to be aware of that these are some of the costs that are involved when it comes to developing property to sell it to the consumer as well. And, of course, as the consumer, when you are purchasing that property, you are um, paying for someone else's profit. So, you know, if we look at large greenfield land, which are large blocks of lands developers um, purchase and they, um, through council applications, get approval to subdivide that land into multiple um, estates or multiple stages within an estate, um, the cost to bring a, a raw block of land, if you like, to um, a subdividable, saleable, single block of land can actually be quite significant because there's council approvals, there's civil engineering, there's civil works to build roads and gutters and put in the sewer and the water services underground. Obviously, you've got um, additional costs in profit that the developer is trying to seek. Um, you've got uh, council contribution costs. And let's not forget the additional costs that the developer will pay towards marketing um, the, the product at the end and, and selling that product and then potentially sales agent fees as well. So that's all built in to what you're paying for that vacant land, um, regardless of what the amount is. All of those profits are built into the value. Yeah, I think it's a good point there when you talk about if you, if you really did break it down into every little part that's involved, everything is done off a plan. So whether it's from, as I said at the start, the pipes in the ground, the services in the ground, the roads, as we talked about, someone draws the plans. So someone actually has to come up with the ideas to draw those plans. So you're paying for the person to design it, their expertise, um, to have it all designed, the contractors to come in to do the work. Um, as you said, the marketing and the sales and the everything else involved in it, and everyone still needs to make money. The, the developer obviously needs to make money. Um, and then obviously once it's all completed, um, you have the salesperson that comes along and they're not charging any commission to you and they're offering you this, this great block of land with probably a house on it, whether if it's a house and land package, um, and they're not doing it at a fee. So they're offering this as a, as a great package and it's all developed up so that you can get your home grants and away you move into your brand new home. That's pretty much it, isn't it? It is. And, and I think that brings us to a very valid point because, you know, there's a lot of people in the market and this is a big red flag for us. If anyone is actually packaging um, tailored investment advice or, or recommending an investment product to you, but they are not charging a fee for that recommendation, more often than not, they will be recommending a brand new property and nine times out of 10, probably 10 times out of 10, they will actually be charged or they will actually be paid a profit or paid a commission from the developer to offload that stock. So although you may not be paying directly because they're not invoicing you for their service, you're actually paying because all it's doing is inflating the purchase price that you are paying. So um, another, I know we've done episodes on this 
before if you are seeking advice from someone who is not charging you and they're recommending a brand new product you will be paying for that product in other ways so it's something to definitely be aware of i thought it was too good to be true there you go (laughs) (laughs) so so obviously there's the hidden costs um there's all those types of things and as we've said that's life i mean people need to make money um so develop from developers right through to the sales people everyone needs to make money everyone needs to do it for a living and that's why they do it so there's nothing wrong with that you just need to be aware of you're the one paying for it obviously to buy that product the other thing we, we look into is and as i mentioned a little while ago you've got say for example you, you you've got that um house and land packages and it opens up into stage one and then a little bit later on, stage two comes in. So what effect is that going to have on the on the growth of the value of these properties, the, the capital growth um, of that compared to other areas? Look, um, this is a big uh, pet hate of mine because I think the way a lot of these brand new estates are sold is that they are growth areas. And I think a lot of people confuse population growth with capital growth because they're two very different things. Remember, we've talked about this multiple times on this podcast, capital growth um, occurs when you have low supply and very high demand. Now, when you're buying uh, property in an area where there uh, is a level of increasing supply, that is the developer releases stage one of the land and then the developer releases stage two and there might be five, ten stages within the whole development, the developer is is in control of the supply, but it also means that the supply continues to increase, which means you have to have a corresponding um, increase in demand of a higher magnitude to see capital growth occurring. And very rarely will we see that happening because, in fact, the developer controls the rate of growth by setting the cost of the land upon the land release for each stage of that development. Let me explain something in more clear terms. Um, if you are a purchaser, especially an investor, and you buy a house and land package in stage one of a new estate and you've paid $500,000 for a block of land um, and a further $400,000 for the house on that particular site. Then that stage one is starting to get built out or constructed. Stage two is then released by the developer and now you can pay um, similar price, maybe $510,000 or $520,000 for a block of land. Now, when we compare the finished product in both of those estates, what we generally find is that the land will appreciate at a slower rate than the building will depreciate. So what that means is that if you've purchased in stage one, I think I've got that around the wrong way. The land appreciates at a slower rate than the building depreciates. So if you've purchased in stage one, um, what that means is that the, the value of your finished product is now worth less than the value of the finished product in the new estate. And the other thing to think about um, with in relation to investment specifically is that when you purchase a property as a secondhand property, um, you don't actually get the right to depreciate fixtures and fittings associated with that property. So straight away, you're cutting the market out if you do need to resell quickly because you're going to be reselling in a market where you're up against brand new properties where investors have higher depreciation benefits. It's absolutely critical that investors understand this risk because no one knows when they need to sell. And it's so important to actually de-risk 
your investment portfolio as you're growing because changing economic conditions and changing personal circumstances um, can mean that at times people do need to sell and it's important to know that you'll always have a market that will pay at least the price that you've paid for a property as you move um, forward with with that holding period. And, and just on the back of that bit, you've got to understand that as you described then, Linda, when, when you have stage one and you've got this brand new house in, in that street or whatever it is, um, and then that stage two comes out, if you're looking, say, for example, you're looking to sell your property, whether you want to move on or something's changed or work or you've been transferred or things like that, and you want to sell your property, somebody else will come in and go, well, why do I want to buy a secondhand house for about a similar price when I can go down the road and I can get a brand new product for a similar price? Mm. The other thing is that they, you know, you've got to think of people will look at that and say, for example, here in Queensland, when you build a property under the QVCC with the, with the um, contracts, you have a defect liability period. So you have that warranty period as well, six, 12 months, whatever it may be, plus that six years, um, six months, which is the QVCC warranty period. So if someone's going to say, well, I've already missed out on part of that with that house. I'll get it down the road and I'll get a full new warranty and everything with it as well. So you've got to understand that people will look at that as a secondhand older product. I sometimes turn it around and make it simple for people to say it's 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 sort of similar in a way to buying a car. Your car is going to go down in value. Houses will go down in value as well. They're getting older. And until you start to improve that property or add a bit of value to it and do things on them, the house will actually get older and probably go down in value, whereas your land component is the part that needs to go up in value. But, the- down, but down the road, you're selling brand new for same price or similar. So so it's the land that is the scarce part of the asset. It's the land in, um, you know, 80% of the, the, the capital growth comes from the land and the location. So, you know, if you're buying in a location where land is not scarce, you're putting yourself um, at risk that the land will grow at a slower rate than the house or the building itself will depreciate now you get to write that depreciation off you know against your tax if you're a property investor but even if you are a home buyer the land will often grow at a slower rate than the building itself will depreciate in age or the building will devalue in age and that is why quite often in brand new estates growth is stagnant for many many years before you see that area become completely landlocked and the development um becoming completed and only then when the land becomes more scarce do you generally see that there's going to be growth occurring there are some exceptions of course and that is when you know the rising tide lifts all ships and in markets like we experienced throughout the latter months of um 2021 for example um we had a bull market everything was going up in value in normal markets um which is the majority of the time this is where this risk um, actually eventuates. And so it's something that you need to be aware of if you are considering brand new properties. doesn't mean to say that brand new does not suit some people, but it's something to be aware of before you actually commit. I think the other thing that people don't understand as well, and and I've heard this um, many, many times when um, people go to build something as well, they don't understand the contract completely. Mm. So generally when you have a building contract, you'll have a, um, you've got your plans, it all looks beautiful and sometimes there'll be renders where they do the colour to make it all look, this is what it's going to look like. Um, You have your engineers' drawings, you have all the other hydraulic consultants and all the other plans drawn up and then there's a specification that comes with that. 
So the specification is generally the selections on what is included and what is not included in the contract. So you'll have things like your taps and your bathtubs and your ovens and all those types of things. There'll either be an allowance or there will be um, actual quoted sums for those things. You've got to know what's actually included and what's not included because if it's not included, there will be a variation. You get a variation on a contract, you'll get a, the cost of the product, plus you'll get a percentage on top of that, which the builder charges is a um, variation margin. Um, and then that's the other thing is really underneath, which people don't understand, is you can get variations within the ground. So things that you just don't know about that are actually in the ground, if they, for example, they hit rock, um, they've got to get in and break the rock up. They've got to do those sorts of things. So there's a lot of things underneath. What are the foundations included? Is it all included? And make sure you probably get someone professional if you don't know what you're doing to review all of the documents and all the contracts beforehand. Very good advice. Very, very good advice. And in fact, um, the other thing that I'll add to that is that if you are looking at a home and you, you've viewed the display home, just because you've selected the display home that you know is being shown, um, it doesn't mean to say that what is contractually included in the builds that you might be looking at is going to have everything that that display home has. And you're absolutely right, Scott, investigating that specification understanding what is included but more so what's excluded um, is going to give you the peace of mind to know that you're going to get the property that you set out or you thought that you were going to get right from the outset. Yeah, and little things, mailboxes, clotheslines, um, all those things, driveways, driveways all of those things you need um, to live there. Um, if you're going to do it yourself, then you've got to do it yourself. You've got to have the time, you've got to have the money and you've got to have the, the knowledge to be able to do it yourself. If it's not included, otherwise, as I say, you will pay a variation on that term, that contract as well. And also just understanding the quality. You know, if you don't understand mm. what you're reading in a build contract, you may not understand the quality of what you're actually going to um, be left with. So, you know, it is really important, cannot stress enough to get a, a, a building contract professionally reviewed so that you understand what you're signing and you understand what those inclusions are so that you know you're going to get what you um, are expecting when it is complete. And do your homework on the builder. Um, I know in, speaking in Queensland, and um, we have the QBCC, you can do license searches, you, you check the history of the, the builders, you can actually have a look at all of their history, it never gets taken off. Um, if it's a building company, there'll be a nominee, which has to be a licensed builder to the equivalent standard of that build. Um, so you can do a license search. It's free online. Um, do your license search. Check that out. Um, get some references. Do your homework on the builder as well and make sure that um, they're a very good quality builder as well. And just so that you know, that license search will reveal if the builder has had any defective work reported against them in the past. That will be recorded against their license. So it is a good way to check that you're working and partnering with a quality builder um, that's actually going to rectify any defects because the, the worst situation to be in is that um, you've completed a build and then that builder um, is no longer around because they're, they've lost their license or they've closed up shop and you're left with building defects. Of course, there's home warranty insurance to cover you um, in, in some instances, but it's just critical that you understand the risk involved. And again, cannot stress enough to get professional advice around building contracts so that you understand your risk as a consumer. I guess, I guess one of the other things um, to be aware of when you're looking at buying brand new, you, you don't know the neighbourhood. 
Um, you can you buy in an established area. You can drive the streets. You can see the coffee shops. You can see the lifestyle. You can you know you can see kids batting, throwing bats and balls around. Throwing not throwing me bats, but I'll throw balls. Um, bats and balls around the streets, playing cricket and all that. You can actually experience and see who lives there um, and the demographics in the area as well. Buying in brand new, it's it's unknown. You don't know who's going to move in, who's going to be there. That's probably something you just have to be aware of that you're probably not going to know the neighbourhood and the neighbourhood could change pretty quick. It's a very good tip because, you know, um, and and when we talk about buying new, we are talking about buying in those new estates that are not yet established. We're not talking about buying a new property that's being built as an infill development, meaning um, in an inner city location where, you know, an old home is being removed and a new home has been constructed. Of course, in that instance, um, you do know your neighbourhood because it's an established neighbourhood. So where you don't know your neighbourhood is when uh, you're purchasing a block of land and everybody else in that neighbourhood is purchasing that block of land at the same time. You don't know what street trees might be in place, how the landscaping might look for neighbouring properties. You have no control over what type of home your neighbours might build. There's certain covenants in many estates which will control to some extent what homes need to look like, but um, you're actually running the risk of, um, you know, moving into a neighbourhood that that might not be to your liking once all of those homes are constructed. So um, important to know, for example, you could be building a low set home and someone could be building a high set home next door. Um, their construction commences after you and, and you weren't aware that that was going to create an overshadowing issue for you, um, you know, with the summer sun or sorry, the winter sun. So these are the sorts of things to be aware of if you are looking at, at properties in those brand new estates. And whether they're owner-occupiers, so owner-occupiers or tenants. Um, look, if you've got that salesperson that's done a great job and they've gone out and they've got all these investors to come in and buy in this in this brand-new established area, they could be full of tenants. So just knowing that as well, um, are you going to live next to owner-occupiers um, or are there going to be tenants there? Are they, are they sort of investment properties that people are going to just rent out? Um, they're the things to be aware of as well. Yeah, the demographics. Yeah. You've got no control over the demographics of um, who is living in your neighbourhood, whereas in an established neighbourhood, you can research the demographic group before you buy to get an understanding of whether you're buying into an area dominated by owner-occupiers or whether you're buying into an area where you're going to be living amongst um, predominantly tenants. So um, very good advice there. And I think it leads us into, you know, one of our final tips if you are considering Buying brand new, and this is something that has been talked about a lot previously, especially in a market that's um, falling. You know, you can purchase properties off the plan and there is the huge risk if the property is valued for a lower amount at the time that the property has completed construction, you will run at the risk of settlement defaults. Now, what that means is that the contract price of what you agreed to pay before the property was constructed is higher than the price the property is worth at the completion of the construction. Now, you have a contractual obligation to complete that construction, which means as a buyer, quite often you may be required to contribute more in cash to cover the shortfall. Now, this is a huge risk, a huge risk for property buyers and something that you must be aware of. Um, and quite often this is overlooked. Um, so it's critical that you understand what that risk might be for you and whether you have a backup plan because you could lose your deposit if you cannot settle um, upon completion. So something to be very aware of if you're buying off the plan. And this is 
especially true for a lot of the higher density apartment buildings mm. that we saw uh, constructed in Brisbane throughout the um, peak period of construction um, of 2016 to 2017. A lot of the properties upon completion were worth less than they, the contracts that were entered into before the properties um, were even constructed. So something to be aware of, um, make sure you're getting professional advice around the risk before you sign a contract so that you are aware of, you know, settlement risk. It is a real thing. Um, and you need to be aware of that as a buyer. Yeah, I was actually going to touch on that 2016-2017 with the unit unit developments that were happening and people were jumping in, buying everything off the plan. You're getting all these units going up and then, as you say, some of them going into default um, or, or not being able to pay that as well. So the other thing on, on that as well, and it's not probably not as sometimes it can be as bad. I mean, at the moment, we've seen people talking about construction and we've talked about it on the podcast as well. That's another area you need to be aware of. You know, can the builders actually build it for that price? Is it all locked in and it's confirmed? Um, again, sometimes that's out of your control a little bit if you're working with the developers compared to working directly um, with the building company yourself. So making sure the builders can build it, uh, making sure it's going to bail up um, and that you're not going to be uh, in risk of that default as well. And I think, you know, another good point to raise is that um, because the construction costs have escalated so rapidly, um, throughout Australia in the last, you know, 12 to 18 months. There's been a lot of people that have purchased properties off the plan, but the builders have been unable to commence construction because the proposed building price has escalated so much that it's no longer feasible for the developer to proceed. Um, so the other risk for you as a buyer is that you might purchase something off the plan expecting completion to be 18 months from the time you sign that contract and two years later you might find that there's been no progress on the project. So understanding um, what exit clauses may exist, um, that is absolutely critical so that you can understand at what point or what your rights will be at a certain point um, if there's been no progress from the developer. So there's so many things, as you can understand, that you need to consider um, before going down that path. But I will say it's not all negative. Of course, you know, some people are very attracted to living in areas that have um, a brand new feel. They're very attracted to designing their own homes, selecting their own finishes, um, understanding how a floor plan can be most effective for their family. And that's absolutely okay. What we're trying to do with this podcast is to educate consumers about what is important for you to understand before you go down that path so that you can make an informed decision and you are aware of all of the risks and some of the pitfalls associated with um, with purchasing properties, especially those properties that are in those new estates on the outskirts of some of our CBDs, but especially here in Brisbane. Yeah, hopefully that's been very helpful. And as you said, sometimes people can't find a house that matches exactly what they want and they want to actually go down that track and design their, their own home and their dream home. Um, again, nothing wrong with that, um, but just, yeah, just make sure you're aware of all the pitfalls and, and the things you need to understand to avoid making mistakes as well. Um, look, hopefully that's been helpful. Um, I just want to throw in a, a thanks to a few people I've seen out and about on a weekend um, who I've bumped into open homes. 
as you know, our team here from Streamline Property Buyers, we're out and about all weekend um, and we're all over Brisbane, um, usually wearing a uniform like we do. Um, but it's, it's really lovely to run into some people at open homes and they say that they listen to the podcast and they get a lot from that. Um, I love that. And, and it's really, it's great. So thank you very much for acknowledging it and, and letting us know. It's always good to bump into people. So look, as usual, I will let Melinda wrap it up from here. Um, it's been great talking and we'll talk again next week. Next week. Thanks very much and bye for now. Yes, thanks for joining us once again. And, you know, I will also add on that I also love it when people um, say hi at uh, open homes and auctions. Um, It's always great to um, understand and know that people are enjoying the content that we produce because we do put a a lot of time and effort into ensuring that it is of a quality that adds value to you as our listeners. As always, if you do enjoy our content, um, we would really love it if you could leave us a review on iTunes um, or Spotify, wherever you're listening to this podcast. It really does help us. It helps other people find our content and it also helps to educate consumers about buying property in Brisbane. As always, thank you for tuning in once again and we look forward to speaking with you again next week. Bye for now. Thanks for tuning in today. Please remember everything we have spoken about on this podcast is general in nature and we always recommend that you obtain independent advice in relation to your specific circumstances. If you liked today's episode, don't forget to subscribe or leave us a review on iTunes and of course, tell your friends about us. If you would like to get in contact, please visit www.brisbanepropertypodcast.com.au or email us at info at brisbanepropertypodcast.com.au. Feel free to send in any questions and we will try to answer them in future episodes.